Steve. I do not know what's worse. Penn State football or Jonathan Vilma announcing football <laughs> games. What do you what do you think right now what's worse? Like Jonathan Vilma doing football Yeah, games. okay, he drives me more insane I, too. I, I, I'm wrestling with wearing my positive hat and my old Steve hat. But I do see, no matter which of those hats, more light at the end of the Penn State tunnel than I see at the Jonathan Vilma t- tunnel. I mean, I think he could get there eventually, but he needs feedback and he's not getting it. A lot of second-half football has made me feel okay about this Penn State football team, except, you know, they're 0-4. So. Yeah. But, yeah, right. in that weighing those scales, Jonathan is tipped in Jonathan's favor right now in my world. All right, let's, let, let, we're going to come back to that. Let me introduce today's show, and then we're coming back to that, because I have, I have, I have a couple of takes on that. Today on the show, we have a wonderful guest. He was very generous with with his time. He's also a very good dude. Brian Tripp of Penn State men's hockey announcing fame, as he gets into on in his interview, joined us. Uh, we are going to t- also talk about Penn State, but I also want to talk about the, the announcer thing. And we have a very good old guy, young guy. I, it's a very controversial old guy, young guy, I feel like, today. Um, so is great. In tra- that's that's what the listeners love. Yeah, yep. ratings just spiking. Um, so okay, so going back to the Jonathan Vilma thing because he did the Steelers game again this weekend, and you and I both watched the Steelers game, and he was bad. And I even texted you like he said something, and it was like, and I just like feel so bad for Kenny Albert because Kenny is like number like five in terms of my rankings in terms of announcers. I think he does a very very good job. It's like. I don't know. It's just like kind of pinky in the brain a little bit, but like they don't complement each other well. It's more of like anytime when when pinky messes up. I guess. It feels like I believe Jonathan Vilma probably has the potential to be where he's at in an NFL analyst seat at some point. That point is not right now, um, and and I don't know what kind of coaching. When you go back and watch the tape, he he feels like he's rushing. Like, you know, we talk about a game slowing down. He feels like he's rushing to say something. There are moments of some, some lucidity among, from him when he talks about schemes and what's going on where it's there. There were other times this weekend where I don't think he forgot that he wore a uniform for one of the teams at one point briefly. And he yeah, was talking was about weird. we and the defense stop and the crossing patterns and, and, and kept trying to diagnose that almost as if he were playing for the team. There were an abundance of cliches. God, I want to pull out a, a, a cliche jar, like a swear jar. And just feed it and give it to some charity for some of these announcers some days, and he would be a big contributor. Um, but yeah, frustrating and not super informative. And, yeah, and that's and what enough. I want from from what is their number two team technically. Um, I want in, in, informative from that position, especially that position. The other the other thing I wanted to bring up real quick, and then we'll talk about Penn State football. Um, did you what game what game what one o'clock game did you have? Did you watch the one o'clock game this week? Uh, we watched bits and pieces. We no, you, not much. Of one. Do you, what what game was it? Oh, I don't even know. Joe, Joe, Giants and Eagles. Okay, Giants and Eagles. so we had we had yeah. the uh, down here in Maryland. We had the Washington Football Club team. I forget. I get the all the soccer acronyms. Washington, Washington United. I know that they're not DC United, but I'm calling them Washington United. Um, and the Lions and Akib Talib was on the game, and I don't know if you saw like there was some reaction to it, and some people really liked him, but other people did not. It, to me, it sounded like somebody that was watching a Twitch stream, like trash talking like Madden. Like that's what it sounded like. It was very casual. I didn't like it, but I can understand why some people did like it. I, just like, what is your thoughts on 
Like, do you think that these people should be very professional, or like, do you do you like the like Pat McAfee stick almost of, of kind of being like back Pat and forth? McAfee in that in that seat. That's like, yeah, that's, a, like that's, that stick that's in that seat. No, I know where you're going though. Um, yeah, like I I need information. I don't need every X and O. I need some insights of why. Um, I think talking about adjustments. Hey, they can make this adjustment. Adjustment. Let's make it at halftime. They make it now, and this is how it works. Um, there's been a lot of talk. It feels like a couple of years ago it was um, initial acronyms for defensive and offensive penalties, OPI, DPI. Everybody wanted to show they were on the inside because they knew the initial. I've heard more about leverage on pass defenders this year. It felt like in games I'm doing people talking about what shoulder they're over and those kind of things. I don't know if I went that deep, but I do see how younger viewers want to stick. I think listening to Penn State this past weekend, I think – the play-by-play guy Brian Custer was was pretty good. He, he he was he was good. He had a couple moments when he got excited, and and then I heard someone else doing the game. Like it, it sounded to me then that he was almost being somebody else doing the game. But somebody else might have opened the door for him to get these opportunities because somebody likes that style. Right. Yeah. No. It was it was very weird. Like I, I only caught like maybe like the last five ten minutes of the game of that that Lions game. And it was just so weird. It, 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 I texted um, one of my, my one of my friends. I was like, it feels like he's doing he's doing like commentating on his video games. It was it was odd. Um, anyways, you talked about it. We've talked about it. Penn State is now zero and four. You didn't watch much of the game while it was on. Lucky you is what I'm gonna I say. Watched, oh, that's what I watched at one o'clock Sunday. I watched the rest of that. I went uh, I went through and watched the whole game. Um, all of it. I didn't scroll play to play. I mean, I watched, skipped the, the commercials, but watched everything. So yeah, I saw it all. Uh, <laughs> but realistically, I mean, I, I want to be, you know, there's a part of me that's feeling like I'm, I'm being too positive about stuff, but gosh, I, they did enough stuff right, if, except for the turnovers, to win that game. Um, I agree. So if, if you solve the turnover problem, all of a sudden, maybe it's not as bad. I, I don't know. I, th- I think this Saturday is big. I think whoever's behind center is big, and, I, and I'm really struggling with, as, as we're recording this, how that can be in doubt. I, I just don't I understand it. 0-4, why you don't give Will Levis a shot and see what happens. I agree with you on multiple levels. Um, I think I, I was not terribly surprised when Sean came out there to begin the game. Like, I... And Franklin is such a loyalty guy. Like, he, that is, I mean, you look at, like, even John Donovan, and that was probably one of the reasons why he hung on to John Donovan for so long. Like, there really hasn't been many guys fired from Penn State's coaching staff. You know, they've all kind of just left. And, uh, like, it was kind of the same thing, and you were seeing it with a player. And I tweeted this, and I know this is a bit galaxy brained. Do you know what that means? Do you know, do you, do you get that reference? It's a meme. It's a meme. Okay, gotcha. Google it. Look it up. Um, I know this is a bit galaxy brain, but I just had to wonder if if Liam Clifford had something to do with Sean Clifford being in, at least after the the opening interception. I, I understood why he was out there. He you know he's Sean Clifford. He just won you a Cotton Bowl, and I, I'm not gonna criticize him because. But I mean, he knows he knows he need. He seems like he admitted basically that he did not play well, uh, and and you know those mistakes cost Penn State, really cost Penn State the game in a lot of ways. I just was surprised that Will, Will Evans didn't come out there. I Also, you texted, I think it was you that texted me and said, if if Will Levis starts the season, are they 3-1? and one? And 
I initially said maybe, then I said yes, but I think I'm back down to maybe. But I still, I still think I, I think they might be three and one. I just, I don't know. I think Will gives them a little bit of spark that, not that they're not getting from Sean, but I think they realize that they need to play a little bit better, and I think they're like, okay, like we need to play better if Will's in. Um, and I don't know why that is, and I don't know why Franklin's not picking that up. But then I go back to the loyalty thing, and it's like. I don't know. It's frustrating. It's it, it was frustrating, um, but I do think if they played like they play in the second half, they definitely are are, are going to be fine. They, they will win at least one game this season. Yeah, I hope so. Like I don't I don't see other than Saturday. I think the last three better be winnable, or that's really bad. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's just not a lot there, and I think you out talent them. I, you know, I, I probably don't think you can overlook some portion of the Liam Clifford Clifford piece. I don't. This season also too also is just. It's, it's not weird. a throwaway season, but you don't have fans in the stadium booing you. I mean, yeah, you're going to get beat up on social media, and we know that Penn State consumes all that. At least Coach Franklin knows what's written and cares what's said, even on social media. Um, but, you know, if things are going wrong, you have a chance to show that loyalty a little longer, perhaps, than, than maybe you would have on a normal time. He, Sean Clifford is one of your knowns coming into the season at this point, coming into the season after all the injuries. Like, he's a known. You don't know what else you got in some other places, so you stick with them for a while longer. But I do think at this point, the expectations from the fan base and how that plays out for the team, I don't know, but I think there would be an expectation that Will Levis gets a bigger opportunity Saturday um, to, to see how it goes with him. Yeah. I, I, I would be stunned if he's not playing on Saturday. Um, I really would. All right. That's enough about Penn State football. They play Iowa this weekend. I, you, if you followed me on Twitter, you know how I feel about the state of Iowa. So... I really hope they win this weekend. <laughs> oh, although there's this like, there's like this weird no good like, food place. Th- there's like weird sick part of me that wants wants Michigan to lose and Penn State to lose this weekend, so that next weekend's game is like, is like the like suck bowl. Like it's just like like who's gonna get fired? Not that Franklin should be fired or get fired. Who's gonna get fired? But I do think Jim Harbaugh is on the hot seat. So I think you're probably right about that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, our guest this week was very generous with our t- with his time, so this interview is a little bit longer, but that's okay because I think it's really insightful. I think you get a lot of perspective on what it's like to be Brian Tripp, um, Penn State men's hockey announcer. Um, he does such a great job. He, I, I, I gush about him on this interview, but I really, I, I don't think enough people give him credit. Like amongst the Penn State community. People know he's good, but I want more people to know about Brian Tripp. And our our 53-liked Facebook page podcast is going to do it. I'm telling you, that's what it's going to give. Oh, that's because the interview, we're talking about an ice-cold sport. But you wait. In this interview, it's on fire at some point. You're going to Look at that. All right. Take a listen to that interview. We'll be back after it. Steve, we have another guest. We are on fire. We have another great guest. We have another great guest. Um, he, you know what he's not great at? Madden. He's okay at NHL. Um, but he is good at his job. Actually, he's very good at his job. It's Mr. Brian Tripp. Hi, Brian Tripp. How are you? Well, I would dispute the claims that I'm not very good at Madden and not very good at NHL. And I may actually dispute the claim that I'm good at my job, too, but I appreciate the, the sentiments and looking forward to another hockey season where I can improve and hone my craft and one day, hopefully, can be like Doc Emmerich. Oh my gosh, you're you're such a cheese ball. I I have my first question, and Steve Steve may not know this, but 
you know this certainly. Mm-hmm. My mom is your biggest fan. Like, my mom is obsessed with you. Why is my mom so obsessed with you? Well, first, uh, shout out to Beverly for listening to the podcast. I know she's a longtime listener. What is this, episode five, six? I think so, five, six, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It probably goes back to Darren. I don't know if you remember when I got the hockey job, you were the first interview I did, and I was on the Penn State Blue Course golfing, but I made sure to carve out a little time to talk to you about the, uh, the gig that I had just received, and it was a, a big step for me. So maybe it goes back to that, that the interview with me, maybe that helped blossom a young sports writer's career. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> this is just dripping of sarcasm, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is, wow. Um, but for real, no, my mom, my mom texts me all the time, Brian Tripp is so good at his job. He's so amazing. He's this, this, and this. I'm like, okay, mom, I know, I know. Um, I wish she was a network executive. Yeah, like she should be your boss because you would. Yeah, she just needs yeah. a social media account to start promoting it, right? And a little bit, a little bit of groundswell. Uh, all right, so you are joining this, joining us this week because finally Penn State hockey is back this Thursday mm-hmm. and Friday evening with Minnesota, I believe. Correct. 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 Um, but you're also joining us because this is a sports media podcast with a Penn State focus, and who else better to have on than, than truly one of the rising stars in the industry? And I, I know we were just talking about all of the sarcasm, that, but I, I actually do sincerely mean that. You are so good at your job. You are so talented at what you do. I, I, I don't know where to begin, but... I, you could you, start you, by getting me a bigger pair of headphones. My head's not going to fit out the door when I leave here. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. You are you are no, I very good at your Darian. job. And, Thank you. I, and I don't think people – it's not that people don't appreciate that enough because you do have loyal fans. But, but like, what is it like being Brian Tripp? And and what is, what is calling Penn State hockey like? Because, like, I don't think you realize this, and I don't know if you would ever necessarily admit it, but, like, to a lot of people, it's Guy Godowski and then it's Brian Tripp in terms of thinking of Penn State hockey. What's that like? Well, I don't, I don't think of it that way for sure. I think about a hundred student athletes that I put in between there, a couple of assistant coaches and administrators, and then somewhere way, way down the line, um, <laughs> Brian Tripp. But um, you know, the Penn State hockey job has been a blessing for me. Um, coming out of school, every broadcaster, and my goal is to be a network level play-by-play broadcaster one day. Um, whether it's football, basketball, wrestling, you know, that's how I kind of got my start with volleyball. But hockey, hockey was a sport that I hadn't called as a student. And at the time, they were the icers. I know before we started, we were talking about all the great people in hockey that have come out of Penn State here, whether it's Emily Kaplan, who was on the show, or Pete Jensen, who's NHL.com's fantasy insider. And we were all at Penn State when they still just had a club team. So it's kind of crazy to, to see the way that we've carved out our own niches within the hockey industry. But my goal has always been to be a network broadcaster. And um, my route wasn't to go to, I had friends who went, whether it was Illinois or Montana or somewhere in Missouri out of school to take a full-time job. I stuck around in state colleges delivering furniture for tubbies. And I was doing women's volleyball on the radio and I was working with Jerry Fisher on women's basketball and Lauren Crispell at the time on Penn State baseball. 
and um, just continue to earn different opportunities. And, you know, if Penn State doesn't go Division One for hockey, I'm not sure if I'd still be in State College, but it really was the perfect timing for me. They say everything, you have to have a little bit of good luck in this industry, and it was. I was in the right spot at the right time. Um, the job came open, and I threw my hat in the ring, even though I didn't have hockey experience. They were familiar with my work in those other sports that I've covered. Um, it was pretty much every sport, by the way. I'm pretty sure the only sport I haven't done at Penn State is fencing. Um, and, and I got the opportunity and it's led to so many things for me, but I think there was an attraction. I, I don't know this for sure. Greg Myford at the time, Mike Weir's Vicky were involved with this guy, obviously. Um, Jim Nachman and um, at the time, Morris Kurtz was, was around that time as well. Um, Joe Batista. I was a young guy who had an opportunity with a young program. Like, why not give a kid a chance? And they did. And I think we grew together the first couple of years. I don't think I was all that good. Um, but somehow I, I've carved out a niche with them. So it was a really good fit. And it's really been a blessing to me. And not only the opportunity, but the people I've gotten to work with and guide in the program, how they've embraced me and allowed me to to grow and learn the game and get the access that they've permitted me to have, because that's not something you hear broadcasters talk about it, but it's not always a guarantee. So I think a lot of credit goes to those people who trusted me and have allowed me to develop into the role. Brian, you hadn't done much hockey before, any hockey before. You talked about your first couple of years, maybe not as good as you think you are now. What, where have you developed the most and why did you earn that trust, do you think? Yeah, I think with reps, the speed of the game really slows down. You hear athletes talk about the game slowing down for them, whether it's an NFL quarterback who's going into his third year. For me, it's the same way. The first year, just to keep up identifying, the first thing I wanted to make sure I could do was identify the players correctly and get the goal calls. Like the highlights, as much as the radio industry, and you get jobs in the radio industry for what you do between the highlights. Like everyone can have a good highlight. But right off the bat, I wanted to make sure I nailed the highlights and identified the players. But I was missing penalties, line changes. You know, Now I can look at a game and I can say, if they're matching up, for instance, last year's team, Nikita Pavlichev's line always goes out against the other team's top offensive line. I could diagnose those matchups as the game's going on and figure those things out. Um, I would know the impact of, certain different power play units against other teams penalty kill units so now i just can see a lot more so i think the game has slowed down for me and that's allowed me to shift my focus off of worrying so much about what i say and that's come become more natural to me so i think it's a, a wide area that i've developed and grown in but i think it's because of the game slowing down so i'd say that's probably the best way to answer that question well you you mentioned it there and you know one of the reasons why I, you know, not that I am in the journalism industry anymore, but one of the reasons why I, I stuck with the print side is because it's very hard for me to recall names. How, like, you, every week, can you talk to, take a, a listener through the, the process of kind of creating those sheets that you always send me a picture of and all of your highlighting? And these are, they're masterpieces. And, 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 but how hard is it for you to learn names and, and just kind of walk me through that, that process of creating those sheets. Yeah, those sheets, I don't know that I use them as much as I probably should, actually. I, I use that to take all of my research and condense it into one spot. And then going into the game, and this is something I've always worked on, is how much of that 
do I use? Do I actually need all this material? Am I wasting my time? But it's a lot easier for me in the days leading up to the game if I go through all my research and I can just look at one spot and then highlight or pick out a few key pointers. Um, but those sheets, as you're referencing, they have names, numbers, biographical information, season stats, career stats for individual players on there, um, trends, and then for the teams, it has all the team stats. It will have the standings on there. It will have what the team did last year, their upcoming schedule, their recent schedule, and the season series against a particular team, all the stats from the games against that team in the season series, and then also the series that they've played in their history. So, for instance, this week Penn State and Minnesota are playing. Penn State is 12-2-1 in its last 15 against Minnesota. It also will have the team's records when losing after one, winning after one, after the same for after the second period, their record when facing a ranked team, their record when scoring first, or the opponent scores first. That is all on that sheet. So it sounds like a lot, and it is. So I don't know that I use it a ton, but it helps during the game because we're working, you know, we we'll work with an analyst, Eric Olson, and in the past, Tim King, who both are, are tremendous. And um, we don't have a lot of time to like flip through all the notes and stuff for the game. So it's kind of like everything condensed into one. But the biggest thing for me, as you said, is learning the names and numbers. So I, it's easier now that I've been around the teams a little bit more in the Big Ten. Like this year, they play the seven opponents with Arizona State included. I've seen them almost every single year, as many as five or six or even seven times in a season. So it's easier. You're not learning 28 names for the first time. Um, but, you know, let's just say a typical season they play on a Friday, Saturday. On Monday, I'll put the names into my phone. This is before the, the first series against that team. I'll put the names in my phone on, on Quizlet. And then I'll actually just like flip the cards back and forth, say on like a Monday night when I'm laying in there. And then on um, Tuesday, maybe I'm updating my chart. So I see the names then. Then on Wednesday, I'll flip through them again on Quizlet. But by Thursday, if I can't take the flashcards on my phone and just see the number and not in numerical order, you know, 28. If I see 28 and I can't type into my phone, Sam Rossini from Minnesota or number five, Matt Denman from Minnesota, then I know I have to prep more. So I actually do have a system of, at the very end of the week before the game, if I can't take the number and then type the player's name in, then I'm a little bit alarmed going into the game. Now, there's always going to be like one or two guys that, that throw you off and, and it's going to happen. But that's kind of my standard to know that I'm ready. And real quickly, how long does that take you? Um, like, like, how long does it take you to create one of those sheets? Like The sheet? Mm, I have a lot of stuff that I've kept from, from years past. And I've updated the sheets over the years. Like at first, I was just going back through some stuff the other day. I had goalies on a separate sheet and, and I've added stuff. I've tweaked it. Um, I would say the sheet takes, if I sat down and really worked on it three and a half, four hours just to do the sheet, Jeez, uh, that might be, nah, that might be stretching it, but I guess to update all the stats and stuff, I could see that. Yeah. Probably like three, three and a half hours. If you're really going to sit down and not thumb through Twitter and Instagram and <laughs> look to see what your Korgs are up to and all that stuff. By the way, I hope Buddy gets, gets better. Thank you. I appreciate yeah, that. He's no doing problem. well. He's back home today. Yep. That's good. Brian, the trips, the, the, yeah, the trips, the charts are a very <laughs> personal thing for people. The trip charts are probably personal for you. Yeah. The, the layout, the design of them, what all's there? Did, was that there in the first season, or how much have you stolen from people, and who did, who did you learn from 
in terms of putting that together to be you know a positive resource for you yeah i don't know where i found the first one that's a, a really good question i'd like to go back i think i just typed in hockey broadcaster chart on google mm -hmm. and it, it came up and then after the first i want to say after the first three seasons i changed mine uh, the last year i had it was the big 10 championship because i have the charts um the charts from some big games i've kept and i've framed mm -hmm. and, and put like cool. a picture with them in the lanyard and the credential on the wall instead of just having a bunch of credentials hanging everywhere like every other sports media member um yeah i changed it so it would have been after the big 10 championship in 2017 i had numbers people are going to wonder what the heck is this guy talking about i had let's just say one through 16 were on the left side and then 17 through 25 were on the right side and the goalies were at the bottom well i was doing a game and if the number was like 15. Sometimes I'd find myself looking down my left-hand column and back up to my right-hand column. Or, you know, Andrew Sturtz, I remember. He was the top name on my right-hand column. So if he scored a goal, which he scored a lot of, um, I'd look right away to see what goal number that was on the season if I didn't know off the top of my head. And I found myself, like, hunting on my chart a lot. So I ditched the two columns and ended up putting all the guys on the left-hand side going straight down and then figuring out what to do with the right-hand side. So I have tweaked it over the years. There's always, like, a little... A little thing you do probably every year. Yeah, very cool. Aside from, from Beverly Summers, who, who is your audience? <laughs> and how do you know you're having a good game or had a good game? Uh, Chase Mutley, my dog. Uh, Christine <laughs> and Dave Tripp. No. Um, <laughs> I, I think at Penn State we've got a loyal following. And I think it's been, become, I think with hockey, and I don't know if it's still to this point. I'd love to actually find out. Um, I don't know still that we're at the point where, you know, if you're listening to Steve Jones and Jack Ham do football, it, they don't really have to educate you on who the guys are, or where they come from. Everyone follows recruiting. Everyone knows who the top quarterback prospect is. You know, everyone knows about the, the running backs coming in. I still feel like the hockey fan is now granted. I know we have some passionate fans who, who really know the guys, but I still feel like a majority of our audience is probably a more casual Penn State fan as opposed to a diehard hockey fan. So I do try to educate still about the players and um, their backgrounds and their importance to the team. Like I don't think it would be important for Penn State football, and granted this isn't a scenario that comes up in football, but like if Micah Parsons is out there, maybe not every game you would say, uh-oh. Yeah, one second, that's me. Way to go. Steve's fire fire alarm just went off. Let's go. We're we're gonna we're Brian and I are gonna talk while Steve makes sure his house doesn't burn down. <laughs> I, I think he has something in the oven, Darian. Um, I, but to answer I, his question, you know, like if Micah Parsons in hockey, you can be drafted and then play in college. If Micah right. was drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles or the Steelers, I don't think you'd have to say that. I think our fans would know that. In hockey, yeah, you know, I like to bring it up occasionally, like. Dennis Smirnoff was an avalanche draft mm -hmm. pick or Clayton Phillips is a Penguins draft pick. So I think we have an audience that's passionate about Penn State, but I still think we're in the process of educating them. And I'm still in the process of educating myself about college hockey. And I think it's just a, a matter of fact that the program that's in um, its ninth year as a Division One team. Wow. We're getting old, dude. Oh, we it's are. It's been nine, nine years. Well, my first question to Guy um, after we get through the, the COVID stuff and the pregame show on Thursday, he was here 
um, one year before they went to Division right. One. So this guy has been at Penn State for a decade. A decade. That's kind of wild. It is. And he's yeah, now 21 years of coaching. That's wild. As a head coach. And so, he's been, obviously, Alaska and Princeton and now Penn State. And then he had some interesting stops when he was playing pro roller hockey out in uh, California. Yeah, that's right. People forget he's in that. Fresno for a little bit. The Alaska thing blows my mind, though. I've asked that's... him about it because we went up there, and <laughs> it feels, I mean, you are really in another planet when you're in Alaska, especially in the winter, and it's, it's getting dark fast. I asked him, how did you do it? And he said, you know what? It's really not that bad because in the summer, you can go out golfing at like 2 or 3 in the morning if you want because it's light <laughs> all the time. It's <laughs> wild. That's wild. Um, we, you, you just talked about it there. And I want to make sure I phrase this question the right way because um, I don't want, want you know I don't, I don't want to knock it on anybody. But like Penn State hockey is definitely it's really grown, and where kind of on the spectrum do you think it's at that level that basketball and wrestling are at? Do you think it's above them? You know, maybe a little bit below them. Like where? Like what? What is your your, your thoughts on that? Because I feel like the fandom and the fan base really. It's something people care about, but I, I do, as somebody that covers the team, I do kind of agree with you sometimes on the, the fact of what you just said. Like, there's more casual fans to it. Yeah, and I think that's part of the process, though, of being a young program. I think you would probably agree with that, too. Like, as you have maybe Roar Zone members who graduate and they come back you know, 10 years from now, all of a sudden you have. Uh, 20 years of Roar Zone students that are passionate Penn State hot. So I think that's something that develops over time. I hate to put them on a, a pecking order. I think here, wrestling's number two, it, just because of where it is in this state, yeah. um, the state's passion for wrestling. But everyone, men's basketball is a national sport. So when Penn State basketball is good, there's a pretty big reason why it draws so many eyeballs. Um, but I don't know that you can really rank them. I think what hockey has going for it, Darian and Steve, is that the atmosphere, like it's it's an event. You you need to go to a Penn even if the team's not, not you know good or you don't know anything about right. the team, you go to the hockey game because you want to be a part of that. Like Guy calls it Beaver Stadium crammed inside a 6,000-seat arena. It really is. So I think... I think hockey has that going for it, and it wasn't that it was just new and a novelty. They've been able to keep that Hockey Valley brand and welcome to Hockey Valley, and you need to go see a hockey game at Penn State. So I think that's something hockey has that maybe wrestling probably has that, but I don't want to call it a tougher ticket. They're both tough tickets. Uh, But basketball might not have that on its side at this Mm -hmm. point. I I know they've worked really hard to to develop that, but... um, I would say that's something hockey is going for it that maybe some other sports don't on campus. Steve, is your is your house still standing? He's it Steve is, back. and for the daughters who bother to listen, um, with the two of you, you'll have flashbacks to like, we have a wooden fireplace and it burns really well for a while, but on windy nights, for some reason, we get a backdraft. So I'm down here and the smoke alarm's going off and I'm like, oh, the cat and the dog and the wife are probably in love with this. And, so, yeah, I get up there and everything's fine, but this is about an annual event at the Samsel household. Um, so, yes, many a time when there was the, the piece of wood that was the last lingering little smoldering thing that was going out the front door in the snow on a, one, on a winter night because we wanted the, the ambiance of a fire. But 
Yep, still standing. All good. Kind of an event. Kind of like Penn State hockey. Um, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. Never what does. a professional transition there. It was good. It was good. Well, well but you're uh, right about hockey. It is an event. I mean, if I think about the, the, the sporting events, the best sporting event I've ever been to, hockey's probably in the top five, but the best one was a Penn State-Iowa wrestling match in the late 80s when I came up as a high school kid. You know, there's just something about an event, and hockey has been able to translate that from the first game against Army when they opened the place up you know, with special lanyards and everything else to, to, I'm sure if people would have been able to be in the stands this year, it would have felt the same way. And the teams helped that too, because I, I was actually talking earlier, they were, they were picked last in the Big Ten coaches poll this year, and, and that's seven out of seven. They have not finished below fourth since their first season. As, as good of a conference as this is, they've been really competitive. Even the years before they made the NCAA tournament, they started strong a lot in conference play and put themselves, I think even before we even realized what is the bubble, what is the pairwise, what does all this mean? Because hockey is so much different than NCAA basketball. You don't have a selection committee. The numbers actually do dictate exactly what the tournament field is. Um, so I think their success has helped too, which was surprising to me to see them pick last just because they, they haven't been. You know, Even in years where they've lost, yeah, sure, they lost almost 60% of their scoring from last year this year. But they, they still have overcome that. And, and I know they're not bringing in the, the Owen Power that Michigan has or Cole Caulfield or Quinn Hughes or Zach Wierenski. Like, they've played some great, and I mean great, competition over the years. Kyle Connor at Michigan, um, Tanner Lasinski. Connor Hellebuck. Yeah, Ryan Dezingle. Like, there's a lot of NHL Greatest stars. Big Ten hockey player. <laughs> Um, Goss Despair, Johnny Gaudreau, Kevin Hayes. Penn State's played all those guys. They've all played at Pagula, and they've been right there with them. And, and Penn State, to this point, uh, I think is probably going to change with Evan and Cole. I think they're probably the, the next two. But Casey Bailey's the only guy who's had basically just a cup of coffee in the NHL, and the Penn State hockey team has been toe-to-toe with all of these powerhouse programs without getting that guy to the next level. And I think Guy has found a formula and a fit that's really worked here in what's become a better hockey market, but it's still not Michigan, Minnesota, or Massachusetts, Wisconsin. Right, right. And, you know, and I think one thing that people have forgot this year is, I mean, and and I say this because I am not a Penn State hockey fan. Um, It's not because I, I... there's not any bad feelings. I just have – because I used to cover the team, mm-hmm. I have a very tough time being a fan of it. And I, I follow a lot of college hockey and, and, you know, follow a lot of hockey in general. This last year's team had a very good chance of, of winning not, – not just making a Frozen Four, but winning a national title. And, and I think that's kind of getting lost. And obviously they did lose a lot of scoring, as you said, but I think that is getting lost. Um, yeah, we're they, were, about they were going yeah. to make the Frozen Four. There's yeah. zero doubt in my mind. They, they yeah. were going to be there playing their best at the end of the year. And people were saying, you know, throughout the year last year, I remember having conversations with Guy and doing the, the interview and the other coaches. Well, why are you struggling in this facet? Why you, it just never seemed like it was clicking, but they were still never out of the top 10. They, they basically right. went, for the most part, wire to wire atop the Big Ten standings the whole year. And it never felt like they even reached their maximum potential until. You know, right at the end of the season, it looked like they were starting to play the way you thought. But even with that, they were top six in special teams, power play and PK, which usually is the sign of a team that 
that makes it to the Frozen Four. All those teams, I was looking, what, two years ago, the last Frozen Four, every team was top 20 in special teams, power play and PK. Um, stayed out of the penalty box, had a veteran goaltender, and they could score. They, they, scored, they were still seventh in the country in scoring, and they scored more than a half goal per game more than any other Big Ten team, and it's a loaded conference. It was a loaded conference. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, while we're on the topic of, of 2020 and all of that, hmm. what is the 2020, the 2020-2021 season going to be like for you? How is that going to work? How, how, you know, are you allowed to be in the arena? What, what will the process be like for you? Well, for home games, and this can still change because the state of Pennsylvania is coming out with different protocols and you do have to recognize what the state protocols are and the Big Ten protocols and if there's any county protocols. Like, it's, this is kind of surreal what we're going through. But right now, for home games, we'll be in the arena. We'll have plexiglass um, between myself and anyone else in the broadcast booth. And then I believe, because we're going to actually move, we used to be on press row. We're going to move into the TV booth. It's a little more spacious. TV is not traveling, at least for the first semester. And we're going to move up there. So there'll be plexiglass in front of us as well. And I believe, and don't quote me on this, because of the new standards that came out from the state of PA today, uh, I least as of last week, because we were going to be basically in an enclosed box, um, we're going to be able to remove our masks to do the broadcast, which um, I've done some football games with it on, some football games throughout the high school season with it off. It really didn't bother me much. The reason I I wouldn't want to wear it is because I I think you can tell when you listen to the audio and it impacts the audio quality. So that would be my only hesitation. Um, I, I don't think it's that troublesome to wear. Now, I don't wear eyeglasses during the game unless I have contact problems. So um, wearing glasses, I know that could be an issue if you have a mask on, it could fog up. But it really is not not a big deal. Then for away games, uh, and I believe it's going to be all away games, we only know eight of the 28 games, so that it's hard to say. Um, we're going to be in Pagula, at least this, this first week, our studio, quote unquote, is going to be in Pagula. Uh, the team video room, we're setting up a monitor and we're going to take a Zoom feed. And that Zoom feed is going to have four, a quad box of four cameras. Uh, the first camera feed will be what everyone's seeing on the BTN program. So we call that the program feed. And that's what we're going to see in the top, we'll say top left. And then we'll see the three, at least three of the other cameras from the arena. Um, in the other boxes on the screen, and then somewhere there will be a scoreboard as well with the um, time and any penalties and the score of the game. So that's all going to be in a Zoom, uh, in a four or five box Zoom, and we're going to blow that up and put it on a TV to make it a little bit easier to, to see instead of looking at an 18-inch or less computer monitor. And it's supposed to. This was big for me as, as a radio guy um, and even a hockey fan, whether you can hear a lot of times you can tell what happened on a shot by the sound. Was it a thud of a pad or was it the ping of the post? We are, hopefully, and this is the first time for everyone, so I'm sure there could be some kinks and you just have to go in and be ready and have backup plan. Hopefully we're going to have audio from the arena that matches the video feed we're getting. So like, if we were just going to watch the TV broadcast, there could be a bit of a delay um, with that audio, but that should enhance it for our audience at home. 
um, but it should also enhance it for us broadcasting and make us, I think the hardest thing, Darian, and you're probably gonna ask this, is the energy. Like that should help bring the energy up, not being in the arena. That, that's probably gonna be the most challenging thing outside of some player identification things. Um, you know, odd man rushes, breakaways might be hard to pick up penalties behind the play, but we'll do our best with it and look forward to, to bringing the fans. You know, it might not be as uh, in-depth a play-by-play call in the past, but I think being a Penn State broadcast team as opposed to the, the TV team, we're going to give you really the nuts and bolts and we'll have some analysts uh, analysis that's more in-depth on the Penn State team than you may get on the TV broadcast if you're looking for an alternative. Brian, in terms of your prep, we talked a lot about the chart early on and the time it takes to make it. Do the games closer together, like this this first week, right, four games in six days, does that affect your prep at all in terms of the time you can put into the second game? In the hard, yeah, the, the hardest I've done in turnaround is when you're getting ready for an NCAA regional because you have to prepare for three teams. So Penn State played uh, the first year you prepare for, um, you know, Penn State – and who, who's the team that who, Union? Union, yeah, Union. Uh, Union's going to obliterate Penn State. Yeah, the famous tweet. Um, they did not. Penn State might have obliterated Union. Um, and then you prepare for the other, the other matchup as well. And so I had a chart for Denver, and then I had a chart for Northern Michigan. Was it Michigan Tech? Michigan Tech. It was a Michigan school. I don't remember. Yeah, that. one of the. Michigans. I remember the Denver game, and I remember yeah. the Union game. Yeah. So I had three charts going in. So, but. It's hard, I think, to memorize three teams. So I didn't want to memorize too much of Denver when I was memorizing Union because I was unfamiliar with both those teams. Um, so that's hard, that turnaround, like, day to day. Because it's Big Ten teams, it'll be easy, to be honest. Um, I'm just so familiar with most of the Big Ten teams. But it is hard when, when you're looking at rosters that maybe you're not familiar with, the, a day or a two-day turnaround. You start to to mix number 15 for one team and number 15 for the other team together. Uh, and that's certainly, fortunately, you have two weeks to get ready for the Frozen Four because the first year uh, there were three Big Ten teams in it that I did the Frozen Four, and then the last time there weren't any uh, Big Ten teams there, so it made it a little bit more challenging. Thanks. Um, one thing I wanted to ask about, and I don't know, you, you are kind of a quiet guy outside of talking professionally about sports. Um, are you I, sure I we're think close you friends? Are you sure I think you are. Friends? I don't know. Okay, here's, uh, here's my gonna... question. Here, you have, I feel like there are two Brian trips that I know, and it's not like a, an ego thing or anything like that, but you have a calm demeanor, very calm I will... outside of the rink. But when you're in the rink, you are so passionate. Mm-hmm. Is there a, a switch that you have to turn on? Like, how many Red Bulls are you drinking? What is it, or is it just like you enjoy your job that much? I do. I, I really do enjoy my job that much, and I think, you know, I think everyone in this industry, in this day and age, you know, it might not be even this industry, every industry. I think you have to, you know, always be a little bit wary of what that professional persona is that you give off. Um, I, I don't think I'm reserved in any way. Most people would call me probably bombastic. Uh, man, why doesn't he ever shut up? Um, uh, annoy, <laughs> annoying. I feel like you're quiet. So, I don't know. Uh, no, I, I honestly think that whenever you're in a public sphere or a public setting, like for whatever reason, that that switch is always on. Like, like I know I have a somewhat public job 
certainly not to the extent of many others, but I am always, always a little bit conscious of what that, that image is and that persona is that I give off. Um, so I think actually the broadcasting, that might be more naturally me and who I am, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, but certainly I think part of the play-by-play industry and business too is you're not just a journalist and a broadcaster. I think we're entertainers and I try to entertain. Um, if you're not entertaining, I don't think you're gonna be successful in what you do. I think that's true. I think Darian's question is true too. I, I had, we had a dinner with Brian a couple of years ago and a couple of friends at the Red Horse Tavern in Pleasant Gap. We had dinner and then we listened to a hockey game like a week or so later and my wife and I were listening and she's like, is that the guy that was at dinner with us? Like he, he seemed more quiet at dinner. Yeah, that's, and she's yeah. like. That's really exactly good, what said, it is. But he didn't it, sound like that at dinner. So I, you know I think what? you're spot on. I'm going to have you guys over to watch an Eagles game sometime. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's what it is for me. Like, I think my, my first impressions of you were always like, he's this calm dude. And I never, like, because when I, the, you know, the first year that Pagula opened was the first year I covered the team. Mm-hmm. And I had never really listened to you before on the radio. I only knew you as Brian Tripp, the friend. And, and then I, then I like, had to listen to a couple away games and it was like this light turned on and this fire turned on. And I, I think that's one of the things that makes you so good. Um, Thanks. I, I really do. Um, but I really do think that's naturally more me you? than, than what, what I lead on to sometimes um, in the professional or even public settings. I, I honestly do. Um, Great question. Steve, do you have any, you have, I, I got one more question and then. No, then go ahead. Okay. My, my last question is this, and, and I don't know how detailed you want to get into it, but you already offered up some of it. The Penn State job is a pretty cool gig, um, especially given the fact that you kind of have guided Penn State into this new era of Division One hockey. But, and I know I keep, you know, inflating your head, but you are so good. Like, what is like? What is your goal? Like, do you or are you content and, and happy with the Penn State job, or do you want to go on to bigger and better things? Which I I think you can do. I think anybody that listens to you knows that you can do. Well, I'll say this first: um, the industry is really hard. You have to to know the right people, be in the right spot at the right time, and it doesn't always come down to um, just talent or what you can do on air. I think there are a lot of factors that go into different jobs. Um, and I also know a, a lot of people who would kill to be in my position. So I'm thankful to be right out of school, essentially, the play-by-play voice of a Division One hockey and a Division One baseball team in the Big Ten. Like, that's that's not not bad. Um, that being said, you know, I certainly have professional aspirations. And I think I would rank it, um, you know, if you're looking at just play-by-play for sports. Like you'd start like high school and maybe AAU, then you move up to small college, and then you go to Division One, then Power Five. You know, for me to leave, I would I would need a pro job. Um, I don't even know that I'd take a minor league job um, because this is my number one, my alma mater. Uh, it's close to close to home, close to family, close to friends. So like, there's a lot of good things going here. Penn State spoils you the way you travel. Um, but, you know, I, I've worked hard to, to put together a living this way, too. I do a lot of different stuff, whether it's, uh, as I said in the start, delivering furniture at, at Tubby's, or I did PR for a wildlife nonprofit, 
co-hosted a couple of different radio shows in town, Substitute Teaching. I was going to ask. I couldn't remember <laughs> if you did that. And I, yeah. I remember talking about it. I think you were trying to do it. So like, there, to answer your question, it's not like an easy answer. There are a lot of different factors that go into it. It would take the right job for me to move on. Um, certainly a pro job or a network job. I, I just think the guys who get to go around, and I'll just use college football for an example, and go to a different university's campus every Friday and Saturday and do college game. Like, that's so cool to me. Um, but I love doing hockey. Um, so it would take the right job. But there are other factors besides just the job. Like I'm not getting... Uh, this may surprise some people may not, I'm not getting rich doing Penn state hockey. Like at some point, if I, you know, not a single, I'm not a single guy anymore at some point, maybe, or, um, at 30, it's going to be 32. Maybe state college isn't right for me personally too. Like I've always been someone that's not going to discount that there's more, look, my career, um, it drives me. It's something that I've really been driven by in, in my life. Um, but there are some other factors to, to life as well. I think your personal life comes into account. Um, just where you're at and, and what you have and what you're trying to do in, in a lot of aspects. So I think there's a lot of things that you try, you know, pros and cons, and you're trying to weigh a lot of different things. The Penn State gig is great. There's, there's no doubt about it. Um, and there aren't that, you know, when you get to this, this spot too, and let me offer this up as another consideration, like doing a division one hockey team and baseball team at, at Penn state, when you start to identify what are the jobs that are better than that? Well, most of those jobs are either power five, I guess you'd say power five football, um, any of the pro teams in the four major pro sports being their radio or TV broadcaster or the national guys that are doing national radio, national TV. Uh, that's not a ton of jobs and it's highly competitive. And oh, by the way, when you get those jobs, it's not like a teacher who's going to retire at 62 or 63. People literally hang on to these jobs until they die for right. the most part. Like, right. it, like Al Michaels is still seen as the top of his profession. He's in his mid-70s. Um, a lot of times you peak in your profession at, at 40, 45, 50, 55, 60. In broadcasting, right. some people don't peak until they're 60 or 70, which is it's like an entirely different um, metric that you have to use when, when weighing your performance. I think there are a lot of factors that go into it and, and I'm, I'm going to be patient with it. And I've been patient at this point. And it's going to have to take the perfect personal and professional opportunity for me to, to move along. And that, that's the honest to God answer. I'm not just giving you the, the Oh, I love what I'm doing answer. I, I really, that is the honest answer. Would, would it have to be hockey real quick? Just like, or, no, or, or, no, it, no, I, you know what? Because as we, when we started, I said that I had never done hockey. I've always wanted to do hockey. I love, love the sport, like the Flyers play NHL video game. And I think my, my friends would say, oh, yeah, that's why you were always, you know, you, you've been announcing hockey your whole life. Because when we'd come uh, over to the apartment before maybe going out to G-Man RIP or to, to Pickles, you would you would broadcast the hockey game that were you know, playing the NHL video game where we'd come back after we were out all night you would never stop talking because you broadcast the game. So maybe I did have, have some training during my time at Penn State calling hockey. Um, <laughs> hockey, I think, fits me. I think it's really good for my style, uh, knowing that other sports. But then again, when I get to baseball season, I think I call a good baseball game. Um, I like the football games I've done. But it, hockey, for some reason, you know, 
I, I would actually put it, it probably wasn't this way six, seven years ago. Hockey was probably down on my pecking order. It would be number one now, but I would I would do other sports for sure too. Cool. Um, I've got a couple quick questions. This is where like All right, I'll I'm, I'm you... doing this with every guest. So All right, I'll do are... fast answers. I know I talk a lot. Yeah, yeah. All right, favorite creamery ice cream flavor? Uh, bittersweet Mint. Bittersweet Mint. Uh, you mentioned G-Man, but RIP. Uh, favorite State College nightlife spot? Uh, it has to be a current one now. What do you think, Steve? No. No? Okay. Um, man, that is tough. Uh, in my younger days, we um, we frequented the Shandy Gap a lot. Okay. So that, that was pretty good there. You know, they're cyclical, it. though. Like, I, I feel like you know, when I was in college, Cafe, G-Man were the places we would go, probably – uh, the gaff. We would go to the saloon every Thursday night after our floor hockey games, and My Hero Zero was the band at saloon on Thursday nights. Then they moved to Cafe, and then Cafe became maybe the, the Thursday night spot. Um, but like now, I feel like I look at, at bars downtown, and different places have long lines. I'm like, why doesn't saloon have a line anymore on Thursdays? That used to be a place to go. So I think it changes. Beaver Stadium whiteout or a NCAA uh, hockey national championship game? As far as what? Atmosphere. Uh, Beaver Stadium whiteout. Because the hockey national championship in West North Dakota is playing. You have like a scattering of fans for, for different teams. But the, the level of play in the hockey championship, just like the NHL playoffs, and you look at you know a big game at Pagula and a Big Ten tournament game or an NCAA regional game, the the level of play once you get to the frozen four is unbelievable. It doesn't even compare to anything you've seen the rest of the season. Yeah. Uh, What was your favorite dining commons? Uh, West cookies. I was going to say, you seemed like a West kind of guy to me. Yeah. Yeah. They had, they had a place, what Roxy's in East. They had really good, like you had to know like what you're hungry for. And that would determine where you like Roxy's in East had good, uh, Mac and cheese, big O had good pizza. Or at least it was uh, available pizza. Uh, West cookies, West Wing, best wrap. So it depends on what you're hungry for. Okay. Pasta, probably go to what, Pollock or down somewhere. Down there. Right. Um, well, that's it. Do you have anything else, Steve? I don't, I'm good. No, I'll be listening Thursday night and Friday. And, you know, it's on TV, but, you know, you have places where you want to get your games from. And for me, that's you for hockey. So can't wait for the season to start. Yeah, where, what, where can people tune in um, on the Penn State Sports Radio Network? my best roger Corey voice <laughs> um no one holds a candle to roger don't worry um nice. locally in hockey valley 103.1 then we do have a few other affiliates across the state uh, i know we have one in new york i know we have one in altoona and we have a couple other in western and northern pa would love to get more i think that would help the brand um the penn state hockey brand not my personal brand that you've been hyping mm-hmm. the entire time mm-hmm. But of course, uh, tune in and the uh, gopsusports.com Lion Vision as well. You can stream it there um, besides on actual radio radio, which um, I know a lot of people at this point don't even have radios in their homes anymore. It's just, hey, Alexa, play the Penn State Sports Network on TuneIn. And That's we're waiting to hear her in the background. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> Brian, thank you so much. Um, thurs- this Thursday and Friday night on all of those good places he just mentioned. This was awesome. Thanks, buddy. 
Yeah, thank you guys. It was fun. And Darian, I look forward to beating you in video games sometime soon. Mm-hmm. And Steve, uh, we need to catch up for lunch, dinner, or drinks. Um, maybe we'll have to wait, though, a couple of couple of more months till that vaccine comes. It'll happen. Just shortly. <laughs> thank you. Bye. That was awesome. That was a really good interview. Like, he, he, I, I learned, I, I've known Brian for now seven years. Jeez, seven years. Um, and and he, that was like, he, he's he's just good at his job. Like, he's just good at his job. He's good at his job. He's a nice guy. You know, you got, you got some insight there on, on the nuts and bolts of, of behind the scenes of jobs and stuff for the season coming up this week and how he's going to do his job and, and about him himself. And, and I think that's one of the things that makes him really good at everything he does he's committed to it he talked about that a couple times about how he's committed to his job and what his goals are and i I think that shines through in his work i agree and i think you know even when he does the the high school football games um for one of the local tv outlets up that way um like it just it it shines through his passion about what his job and his career just really shows in the the work that he does um I, like I said, I, I, I really enjoyed Brian, and, and thank you for coming on, Brian, and, and thank you for just being a good guy. Yeah, we need more good guys. We need more of those. That's exactly right. Good job. All right. So I, we, I was struggling with old guy, young guy this week, and I don't know what your take is on it, but there is a prominent Penn State football beat writer. I'm not going to name names, but I think you might know who it is, that does not like it when guys – or girls wear sports jerseys when they are older than the athlete. What's your take on that? I don't know about older than the athlete. I think that's a pretty high bar. I, I think that's probably not the correct standard. Okay. I do think there is a point though where you transition from the jersey number if you're wearing one, the uniform that you're wearing with somebody's name on it, to school colors. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I've never been a big jersey guy. Like, I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago. I have a Zach Mills jersey that is my only Penn State jersey, and that is through 35-plus years, almost a lifetime of fandom, right? It, just, I just, it wasn't a jersey-buying thing. In fact, my best Penn State jersey story is in my freshman year as a Penn State student, I had a blue and white jersey on in the stands from my rival high school. The kid whose jersey it was from the rival high school, I had somehow procured it as a high school senior, the kid whose jersey it was also went to Penn State, which I did not know. He was walking up the, the freshman stands and saw his jersey and wanted it back. So I sold this jersey off my back to him at my first Penn State freshman game to give him his jersey back that I had somehow obtained from his high school when we were in rival high schools. Um, but I've only worn, I, I'm, I think I'm past that age. I think at 50, I'm past that age for the jersey. I mean, I don't think it's a, it's a horrible, terrible thing. But as I think there's there a are some people that, that do like they're very like you like unless you're a kid you can't wear a jersey and I I don't know I'm I'm also younger than you so this I is think you're we... good into your 30s and 40s no I think I think a fan okay. is good into his 30s and 40s uh, you what do you what do you wear to a Penn State game you wear a collared shirt like are you a t- stereotypical no no Penn no State I dad? wear I wear a, a, um, a ratty pair of beige shorts okay um, maybe I've cargo shorts. shorts yeah I know exactly um, what shorts these are. And I wear a T-shirt. Um, often it's a white T-shirt that is my, one of my favorite T-shirts. It is a United Way T-shirt with, with, a, with a Penn State chipmunk head logo that says Live United. And I got that shirt in 2011. I have like four, four of them. I wore that like every week in the Sandusky era because it was both 
United Way and Live United and the Penn State factions were fighting with each other, so I love that. Um, I still, every once in a while, just to be a curmudgeon, will wear my Believe blue shirt um, from several years ago. Those are um, good. Those, I have one of those shirts. Those um, and, and the other, I mean, so it's the shorts almost every game until it gets really cold. And then when it starts getting a little cold, if you look in the last row of the stands where our seats are, I have an orange, fluorescent orange beanie cap that my daughters hate that I wear in public, which is the only reason I wear it in public. So that's what I wear. I wear something blue or something white and something to tick my daughters off and make them feel uncomfortable. What about that, you? Uh, so I, this is, this is great because I also wear cargo shorts usually um, and I until it gets cold. And then I, and here's the reason why I wear cargo shorts. You got your phone. You probably got some like chapstick. Your wife's going to give you something to carry. You've got a phone, a, a, a phone charger. My friends are like, oh. Hey Darian, you got so much stuff in your pockets. Oh, you look you look ridiculous in cargo shorts. Yeah, but you know what? Charging. Who's carry? Yeah, who's carrying everything? <laughs> me, me. You know, I got headphones in there to listen to the game if I want to listen to the game or call somebody to get the reaction to a replay. It, it, there's a there's a and then I I always wear my not always wear but I always wear a jersey and I always ninety seven percent of games I wear my white 22 jersey the only times i don't are if i know it's a game that we're going to win i will bust out like a, a, a weird jersey of a penn state player so like i have a kajana carter rose bowl jersey my mom bought a carrie collins carolina panthers jersey that i've i've i think i've worn it to two games and like people don't get it like and then they see the back and they're like oh carrie collins like mm-hmm. like i've gotten like oh the, the panthers suck i'm i'm like i don't care about the panthers i bought that so and I can't, I'm trying to think if I have what other ones I'll wear. There's a Kate, and then if we're our section is a blue section, so I'll wear the the. I have a blue 22 jersey that I wear. Yeah, and I think I think a fan is good to like 35 or 40, and it's not something I'm going to die on the hill for, but I do get, like at some point, like I'm a fan of the process and not a person or whatever else, and I. I don't know, like I, I, you know, whether it's putting, and I don't think it's putting somebody, one person above the team. I just, I'm not a, so much a Jersey guy, you know. I, but now I'm, I got to go back to one other thing that's going to distract us a second. You get the cargo shorts, you're going into Beaver Stadium with all this stuff in your pockets. Do you fully empty your pockets or how do yes. you put all that stuff? God bless you, you're such a rule follower. Okay, good here, for you. Here, here's what I do. I wear a hat. Put it all in the hat and then you, you know how they give you the little like, dog the dog tray like right. the dog dog bowl to put stuff through in the metal detector i just put it in my hat in there up like obviously like wait, you open get a tray? wait you get a tray when you go up through beaver stadium uh i think i do no i think we're supposed to oh put... yeah no i hold it up at beaver okay, stadium exactly. i hold it up but most other stadiums they do the dog tray thing well if there's any penn state official listen, listening to this point of the podcast which i'm sure they're not yes but if there's anybody who might listen think less of me which at this point of the show there's probably not I never, ever empty my pockets. They scan me every time, and nothing gets caught. So I kind of question. Now, again, the only thing I have is, like, I don't have my wallet. I have some cash and some coins and a phone. So I really have nothing and a pen. I always have a pen with me. But honest to God, I, I never, ever take anything out of my pockets. They scan me, and they never, ever tell me to stop. So I have to question what the scanners are doing. Sorry. While I'm not wearing my jersey. All right. Yeah. So. Back to jerseys. Sorry. Jack the jerseys. Yeah. I don't have a problem with it, but I guess maybe as I get older, I will eventually have a problem with it or might have a problem with it. It is weird when you're like, like Brayton Point, who plays for the Lightning, 
like he is like a professional athlete i yell at him a lot through my television screen and he's like four years younger than me or something like that like that's that that is weird i like the mix of jerseys in the stand to kind of to kind of get a sense of who's who's was purchased and who's there and and you can kind of see generations of fans right you can see some ragged you know 32s for john carter or something else you know you can and i think that's neat i get my bigger than older people wearing them is when we went to the the minor league baseball approach of promoting college football at Penn State, and it was wear your favorite Penn State jersey day. Mm-hmm. You're not selling any more tickets because of that. That's you're not. Trend. You're not. You're not going to give away a prize for the favorite jersey. So you're not driving anything there. These people are going to wear their jerseys already. So that bothered me about jerseys. But wearing them, no, I think I've aged out of it. But that's more me than some other people. If I have a friend who's with us and he's older than me or my age and wants to wear one, God bless him. Rep your team. You know, hey, I, have fun. I do think. And I, I, I used to do this a lot, and I don't know if this is just my incredible fashion sense, um, but I used to wear jerseys, like, casually. Like, I, like I would be wearing a jersey right now, like, like as a, something to, like, kind of stay warm in. Like, I have a lot of hockey jerseys, but I don't do that as often anymore. Like, I haven't, like, Anna's parents bought me a, a Steven Stamkos jersey for Christmas last year, and I think I've worn it once. Like, and it's not because, like, I don't like it or anything because I actually really do like it. It's just because I have it. Like I have to have a reason now to wear a jersey. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I got a practice jersey. It was an unnumbered Penn State, like white practice jersey from Salvage at Penn State a couple years ago, and I thought it was going to be like a nice white shirt that was just going to kind of work and be mesh and cool. And because it's made for the shoulder pads and and the and the arms are kind of like cinched up to do to be tight, it doesn't it doesn't wear right. Like it, it kind of looks goofy. Um, so I haven't worn that as much as I thought, and I thought that was going to be kind of a cool, comfortable shirt to kind of have like the jersey feel, but not have a number. And I was wrong, but I'm often wrong. Yeah, no, those I have one of those. Um, I have one of those. It's a it was a practice jersey. I ended up getting rid of it, I think, because um, I was like, this I don't I don't need this. Like, I, yeah, it just wasn't. It's not exactly the right thing. It might still be in the closet. It might be going to Goodwill over the holidays. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, that was that was a long show. If you made it this far, God bless you. God bless you. Um, thanks for listening. Subscribe to us on all of the podcasting services. Like us on Facebook. Um, are you going to use fleets, Steve? Will you use fleets? Fleets? Fleets. Do you know what fleets are? Have you, no, what are fleets? Have you checked your Twitter? You haven't checked your Twitter today, have you? No, I haven't. Oh, you should check I'm your looking. Twitter. There's, they put out, do you know what Instagram stories are? Yes. Okay, so they, they, they made Instagram stories, but for Twitter. It's, they're called fleets. Oh, uh, okay. Well, then, yes. We'll have to figure that out. God okay, forbid. so we might send out a fleet. That'd be cool. Yeah. Very cool. Or is, or is Action Cookbook, who is a college football writer, calls them florps which is that's an old tweet but right, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, email the show at stuff summer says podcast at gmail.com please give us some feedback and my twitter handle is at stuff summer says yours is steve samson thanks at for joining us this and week. come back next week here's the teaser for next week next week we've been teasing we've been working on this since week one next week we'll have information on pylon cams and how much they cost the network so if you've been missing them on penn state you podcast, heard that we're going to have That's a, a tease. That is a tease, kids. All right. Bye.